Let's knock them on their backs, butt them in the mouth, knock their ass in the dirt. That's what we got to do. We got to stop that buddy ball, smash everybody in the mouth. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. This is Hour 3 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. You know what that means? Do you? We're the underdog. We're mutts. My number one play is the power sweep. If you only knew the power of the dark side... for the Big Dog Sports Talk Power Hour. Yes, have some. Kenny Brooks joins us in about half an hour. You know, there are artists that you can deem as great, and sometimes that word doesn't necessarily even begin to describe it. Stevie Wonder in Rick Watson's all-time top five. Also in my all-time top five, for various reasons, our next guest, he's the Radford University Hall of Famer, my good friend and guy who knows the NFL better than about 92% of any of the morons on television. His name's David Smith. What's going on, DS? Man, hey, bro, you set me up pretty good this morning. You got, first of all, you got, you say Stevie Wonder, oh. followed by me, followed by 92% don't know as much as me. Man, and all I've got is off-season stuff, so I hope I can deliver today. By the way, uh, thank you for that great intro. By the way, Kenny Brooks coming up next, Yeah, right? Kenny Brooks next, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, if, if, if I may for a second. Please, please. I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. I know he's a Cowboys fan. Uh, <laughs> every said, and and not, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of him for that reason. I don't hate him because of it, for sure. Huh. What, what he's done over there at Tech is, um, is crazy great. They're top ten. They've been um, handling things in the ACC over the last three to four weeks. This five-game stretch has been crazy good. I do watch all their stuff. We go when we can. And just let him know that he's got a fan and myself and my, my wife. We love what they do over there with their program. And how great are we in the New River Valley with Radford and Virginia Tech to have Darius Nichols and to have Mike McGuire, Kenny Brooks, and Mike Young, all Virginia natives, two from Radford. Mike's from Roanoke and mm-hmm. Kenny from Harrisonburg leading the two Division One programs in this area. We're very fortunate to have them, 
and Kenny's leading the charge right now. So let him know he's got a fan down here in Roanoke. I will do my best to conduct the interview and not hold it against him that he's a Cowboys fan. <laughs> I'll let you deal with that part of it. Uh, listen, those I've got ton, those fans are they're like the Steelers, uh, maybe not quite as, <laughs> as 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 numerous, but they're out there, bro. So anyway, it's going to be a great interview. I'm glad glad you're going to have him on. All right, well, let's get into um, the postseason stuff, and of course, once you get by the Super Bowl, you have the postseason awards and accolades being handled out, and. The NFL has done that. What were some of your thoughts when you saw the hardware being, uh, hardware being passed around? Well, it's so, again, the Chiefs took home the Lombardi, and so we're going to congratulate them. Philly on a great season as a runner-up, and we'll put a bow on all the team accolades right there. But as the NFL has done a great job of having this, this new program called, I think it's, it's the NFL Awards Show, almost kind of like a Grammy-type setting that's in between – the uh, championship games and the Super Bowl, and they do a really nice job with it. I feel it would be cool to pay homage to who the recipients of those awards were this year. The MVP of this year was Patrick Mahomes. He had the second 5,000-yard season of his career. And, and, Rick, for those of us that have watched sports a while, did you ever think you see 5,000 yards? I don't care if it is 17 games now. He had 5,000 yards this season, led the league with 41 touchdowns, 67% completion percentage, 5,250 total yards, just a phenomenal season. And as it turned out, led his team to the to the Super Bowl. It's his third Super Bowl in four years and his second MVP. And he's the first NFL player to win multiple MVPs and multiple championships in his first six seasons. That's saying a lot when you think about the lineage of the league. The offensive player of the year was Justin Jefferson from the Minnesota Vikings. And if you saw the Vikings enough this year, kind of like you and I did, you could tell it was worthy of that. He produced one of the best seasons for a receiver in NFL history with 128 receptions, becoming one of seven players ever to surpass 1,800 yards in the season. Of course, making that iconic catch, that one-handed snag on fourth and 18 against Buffalo, which people may or may not remember, was an amazing, amazing grab. And he booked the Minnesota team records for catches and yards in the season. <clears throat> when you think about who held it, Chris Carter and Randy Moss. So when you when you can do that and, and you're not even 24 years old yet, that's probably uh, good enough to be the offensive player of the year. And the defensive player of the year, there was throughout the year there was some back and forth of who might get this. I think they got it right. I actually think they got all these right. Nick Bosa from the San Francisco 49ers, consistently the most dominant defender in the league, league leading 18 and a half sacks, 51 tackles, two forced fumbles, and 58 quarterback pressures, which was third most in the league. And he did that in 16 games. What people forget is two years ago, he suffered a torn ACL in his left knee in week two of the 2020 season. Bounced back from that and had 15 and a half sacks. But uh, give him a lot of credit for being able to persevere. Coming back from the ACL, didn't really seem to miss a beat, leading that number one ranked San Francisco 49ers defense on on the charge this year. Offensive Rookie of the Year, this is kind of interesting. The Offensive Rookie of the Year was Garrett Wilson from the Jets, wide receiver. First player in Jets history to win that award. It's kind of hard to believe when you think about the history of the Jets. First one to ever win it. Drafted 10th overall, 83 catches, 1,100 yards. And here's the funny part. He's the 23rd rookie in NFL history to reach 1,000 yards. But he did it with who at quarterback, Rick? You know, it's kind of crazy when you – when you think about it, that's probably enough right there to give him offensive player of the year, uh, rookie of the year, when he did it with a stopgate quarterback for most of the year. And so give him credit for being able to do that. 
what I found interesting about him winning that award is the defensive rookie of the year went to the same team, and it was Sauce Gardner. And, of course, he came in drafted fourth overall. A lot of folks had him being that guy. But, Rick, I don't know about you, but when I think about college cornerbacks coming into the league, I'm a little concerned that they can step right in and be that impactful. Oh, he's first team all pro. Yeah. First team all pro as a rookie, defensive rookie of the year. He is the first Jet rookie to be named first team all pro and the fifth Jet to win defensive rookie of the year. Let me get that right. First Jets rookie to be named first team all pro and the fifth Jet to win defensive rookie of the year. And they reminding of him a lot of people of Darrell Revis. And then two more real quick for you. Comeback player of the year. I think it's perfect. It's Geno Smith of Seattle. Again, he didn't t- doesn't fit the typical mold of a person who came back from an injury. It's just one of those things where Geno went from a backup for most of the past seven seasons to a Pro Bowl selection, one of the NFL's best quarterbacks. His eight seasons marked the NFL's largest gap between opening day starts. Can you believe that? No. Eight years no. since he started. I, I, I would have thought he had to have started. I know, I know. Somewhere in the last eight, he hadn't started in eight years. It's the largest gap since 1971. Six in total QBR, first in completion rate, fourth in TD passes, breaking Russell Wilson's single-season franchise record for completions, passing yards, and completion rate. And then finally, coach of the year, Brian Dayball, took over a team that had lost 10 games in each of the previous five seasons. I, I don't know that I knew that they had lost 10 games. I knew it had been bad, Rick. I didn't know that the Giants had lost 10 games in each of the past five seasons. Got him to the playoffs in his first year, and he did it with a roster that was not overly talented. And wrapping this part of it up, they won nine games despite having their preseason top four receivers either on injured reserve, stuck on the bench, or not on the roster by the year's end. So Brian Dayball is your coach of the year, and those are the award winners for this season. David Smith joining us on the program, the Radford University Hall of Famer, our NFL correspondent. All right, all the coaching vacancies are full. I want to get your thoughts on it. Who do you think did the best, and who are some that were left going, okay, interesting, a little head-scratcher? Well, I'm going to start this offseason like I started last offseason, for those that remember. Most don't, but I'll refresh your memory. Last year, <laughs> I've got notes from forever. Last year, I said the winner of the offseason last year was Denver. Why? Because you went and got the quarterback. And why did I think that was going to work is because you had a defense that was championship worthy. And most of the year, they proved that until they just ran out of gas being on the field too much. I think Denver has won the offseason again. I think you had to get a grown-up in the room. I use that term a lot. When I say that, I don't mean that people aren't mature enough. What I mean is a non-compromising guy that's going to come in and shock, not just change the culture, shock the culture with Sean Payton being in control. And I think it's exactly what Denver needs. They need someone to clean up the mess and get rid of the things that aren't great and fix the things that are fixable and be non-compromising in his energy to do it. I think Sean Payton will be exactly what Denver needs. Now, you know how the sport goes. Injuries and circumstances and weather and a bunch of nuances and things have to happen for you to get it right, but he's going to set you up in pretty good shape. I think Denver did a great job there. I also think Houston with DeMarco Ryan, D'Amico Ryan excuse me, did a great job, too. They're going to have to rebuild, and so you got to be patient with them, and I, and I hope that Houston, who has not shown patience, will understand that it's going to take a while. They're going to get a rookie quarterback in there. They're going to build that defense up, and they're going to be competitive. And, and as a matter of fact, they played fairly competitive under Lovey last year. The record didn't indicate that, so they've got pieces in place. I think Denver and Houston are showing things that I feel favorable about. The other three hires, 
a little bit of a head scratcher. Indy takes Sean Steichen out of Philly, the offensive coordinator. Again, I appreciate what he's been able to do um, in terms of what he was able to do with with with, with Hertz in Philly. I think a lot of success is pointed to the fact that they recreated the offense a lot like Baltimore did. They just made it in the version of the quarterback, which I think is great. Going to Indy, there's nothing in Indy that quite looks like that now, so they're going to have to draft well and surround that young head coach with some pieces to kind of get it together. I think also in Arizona, they hired the defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. He's 40 years old. A defensive coordinator, a guy that was a defensive mastermind that helped Philly's defense kind of have a resurgence, although some of the skeptics will say, well, how great did he look against Mahomes? And <laughs> a, lot of folks, a lot of folks, when they scour over that Philly schedule, they'll go, well, who did they really beat throughout the year? Of course, the East was fairly competitive, the division that they played in. But against top teams, how were they? So we're going to find out soon enough. But for me, Rick, what is his symmetry going to be with Colin Murray? That's the deal for me. And so I was kind of wondering if Sean Payton wanted to touch some of that because he could work his magic with a smaller quarterback. But it appears as though Sean Payton could have had any job, and he didn't seem to want that one. And so, and then Carolina with Frank Reich is the last one of them. I think you and I talked about that before. To me, they had their guy. I mean, I thought they were really building momentum there. All you needed to do was get this quarterback in place, mm-hmm. surround him with a great offensive coordinator and a great scheme, and you could build while your offense is getting together. You had a defensive guy that was going to set it up. So, so the Frank Reich hire, a little puzzling to me. Uh, Eric Bieniemy and Steve Wilkes, African-American coaches, still not getting their shot. Uh, it's, a, it's a thing the NFL has talked about working on uh, throughout this thing. I know D'Amico Ryans does get hired as Houston's head coach. It was a bit of a no-brainer. That would have would almost been a mutiny if you didn't put him there after the success he had. So right. we're going to see right. how these play out, Rick. But those are the five coaches that, that got hired, and we will see, like always, how these things play out. David Smith joining us on the program. He is our NFL correspondent. All right, let's review the picks. I mean, you own your picks one way or the other. (laughs) We're going to go back. You had division winners. You had postseason playoff teams. Uh, How did it end up looking in the long scheme of things? (laughs) Well, let's just say I'm looking forward to next season, buddy. So so we do a thing here on the program during the offseason. Once once free agency is over and the draft is over, uh, Rick and I sit down and we have some fun with seeing how things will play out and making our projections and prognostications, which typically end up lukewarm to cold. And so this year – I picked two of the eight division winners correct, just two. I had Buffalo and Tampa were the division winners that I actually picked that ended up being there. The others that I missed, I had Baltimore getting there, Indy, Denver. I had Dallas, and I had Detroit and the Rams. And so I had uh, five of the NFC, uh, the seven AFC playoff participants correct. So I did get right Buffalo, Baltimore, Kansas City, Cindy, Cincinnati, I should say, and the Chargers. I missed out on Denver and the Colts. And I had three of the seven NFC playoff participants, correct, on the NFC side. I had Tampa, Dallas, and San Francisco getting in. I missed out on my my fighting Dan Campbells with Detroit, Green Bay, New Orleans, and the Rams. And interestingly enough, I had the Rams playing Buffalo in the Super Bowl, and the Rams about midway through the season just just you knew then, Rick, there was something going on there. You know, Stafford gets hurt, and and they just looked like it was a Super Bowl hangover on some level for whatever reason. And so, I had high hopes for them. As a matter of fact, I had them as the one seed, Tampa as the two, Dallas as the three, Detroit as the four, 
Green Bay the five, New Orleans the sixth, and San Francisco the seventh seed. Totally blew that one out the water um, in a negative way, I should say. And then in the AFC, I had Buffalo as a one, Denver as a two, Baltimore as a three, India as a four, Kansas City as I can't see it as a wild card team. I thought, I thought Denver, Denver was going to take Kansas City <laughs> off that mound. Not so fast. My friend Mahomes is yet to play a playoff game on the road. Um, Cincinnati, I did have as a wild card. They ended up being a division winner, and I had the Chargers as a wild card which they actually were. So that's my rundown, if you want to call that a rundown, more of a walk down in terms of how I ended up with the picks this year. But we own them on this that's program. That's right. We fire our shots, hey. man. We, we, it's right. you got to take hey. shots whether or not you make them or not. At least you're making them. Own up to them. It's no big deal, right? we got to take a chance. That's what we thought. We, so, sure. That, yeah. That's what we do. And we're, and we're going to come back this year, and we're going to show you how wrong we can be again. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely because, we will. Absolutely. Because that's what we do. There you go. <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, a lot to get into. Of course, we've got uh, free agency. I think March 13th, it officially opens up. We've got a lot of things going on. Staff's being filled out. We'll take a look at that and see what teams need. Who, What big names might be coming into play here in the offseason in 2023 before we get to the draft? And uh, great stuff as always, man. And uh, I hear so many compliments about uh, your segment each and every week, getting them through the NFL season, man. It's good stuff all the way around. Well, Rick, you know, like I've told you countless times on on air and off air, uh, to have this opportunity to talk about something I'm crazy about. Uh, Basketball is what I hung my hat on. But but the NFL has been my passion. My brother and I forever, it's what we grew up in, wearing the stocking caps and the helmets and all those kinds of things and being a fan of the sport forever and ever having played it in high school and so for me it's an opportunity to talk about something it's not even a stretch for me to do it love and love the prep for it i love the platform i hope fans are enjoying it um and we're going to continue to do that and i'll leave you with the fact that lamar jackson today opens franchise tag window opens today they have until the seventh and if he signs an exclusive deal, it'll be for forty-five million. If he does a non-exclusive, it'll be thirty-two million. But that means teams can make an offer, and then Baltimore could lose him. So it'd be interesting to see, as you mm-hmm. teased it, when we come back next week to see who has who has been offered the franchise tag already. And then you'll lead into more free agency, and then of course the draft, which we will unpack as we get closer. Yeah. Good luck, Baltimore. If you decide not to pay Lamar, go ahead. Oh. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. Enjoy that. Woo, boy. If you, you know the old adage, if you got a quarterback, you keep it. Forget what you got to pay. Yeah, exactly. No Absolutely you do. All right, my friend. Well, listen, have a great week, and uh, I guess we'll see you guys on uh, Senior Day on Saturday. There you go. Tell Kenny Books hello for us. We'll be rooting from afar. We'll do it. All right, brother. There you go. That's uh, David Smith, our NFL correspondent, the Radford University Hall of Famer. He even knows Kenny Brooks is a Cowboys fan. That's how well he knows the National Football League. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back 10 minutes away from Coach Brooks. Thanks to David Smith. We'll have more here on this gorgeous Tuesday when we return. I was listening to the broadcast. I was wondering, what exactly is it? You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk. More BDSD next on WRAD. This is Shane Graham of the Cincinnati Bengals and the Virginia Tech Hokies, and you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. I'm short, but I'm kind. I'm short, but I'm kind. 
All right, not much time here before we head into the news bump, and then we'll come back with the head women's basketball coach of the Virginia Tech Hokies, Kenny Brooks. He's scheduled to join us next. It's going to be a gorgeous day. They said the wind's going to pick up, which is unfortunate, but at least it'll be a warm breeze here in this February. Glad to have you with us. Congrats to all of our Tech men's basketball tickets for tonight's game against Miami. Kenny Brooks joins us next. We'll talk women's hoops. Virginia Tech's on a roll. Two road games left coming up at North Carolina and at Georgia Tech. We'll talk to Coach Brooks when we return. It's guys awesome, baby. Rick Watson, he's awesome, baby, with a capital A. All right, we're rolling along here on this gorgeous Tuesday. Hope you're doing well wherever you might be. Our thanks to Mike Burnup, Jermaine Farrell, David Smith. Joining us now on the program, final segment for the day. He's the head women's basketball coach of the Virginia Tech Hokies. His name is Kenny Brooks. Kenny, good morning, coach. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. That lineup that I'm following, that's pretty big time, so I got big shoes to fill. Well, David Smith, he's our NFL correspondent, Want me to tell you hello. And okay. uh, he wanted me to tell you as well, for me not to hold it against you, that you're a Cowboys fan. Throughout the interview. <laughs> Every, everybody should be a Cowboys fan. That's why they're America's team. Unpatriotic well, if you're not. I understand. <laughs> well, right now it seems like the uh, New River Valley's team is uh, your basketball squad coach. First of all, congratulations, six in a row. You seem to be hitting on all cylinders. And uh, just talk about your team now during this streak. Such an impressive run anytime you can win six straight games in a conference schedule. But the fact you've done it against so many upper echelon ranked teams makes it even more impressive. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. We're, uh, we're hitting our stride right now. Kids are playing exceptionally well, playing exceptionally well together. And, uh, you know, it takes a little bit of time to, you know, just figure out your roles and whatnot when, um, you know, this day and age of, of transfer portal and uh, you don't just plug and play. You don't just, you know, pick up some transfers and insert them and everything is going to be great right from the start. Uh, these kids are coming from different places where they had a different system. Uh, they're coming into a new system, coming into new roles probably. And uh, they all just try to figure it out. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been wonderful watching them, you know, transform into the team that they are. Uh, these kids who have come in and sacrificed so much because maybe they were the leading scorer at their previous university. And uh, now they come in here and they're just trying to gel and to become a great basketball team. And uh, it, it's just been so much fun to be a part of. And I'm sure it's been so much fun to watch. And, and right now we're playing well. They're, they're understanding what their roles are. Uh, they're starring in those roles, and uh, they're appreciative of, of everything that they've been given, the opportunities, the, the fan base, the support, and uh, now it's just a thing of beauty. And, the, you know, the last few weeks have been exceptionally well, you know, especially considering the teams that we've played, like you mentioned, uh, NC State twice, uh, you know, Duke, uh, Florida State. Uh, now we go up to UNC, but, you know, they've been, they've been fantastic taking it one game at a time. The maturity level of this team is, is through the roof. And I'm looking forward to what they can accomplish in the future. Well, and you mentioned that understanding you have, Coach, about these players coming from different places. You know, it was interesting. We had Georgia on about a week and a half ago, and she talked about that time that you gave her to get acclimated to being at Virginia Tech, right? She was coming, and she's coming from a different place, and how these players were able to kind of learn how to play with one another. And it's something I guess we're going to be facing annually now in college basketball, like you say, with the portal and so forth. 
Right. It, it is. And, you know, it, it's a little bit more difficult, again, from a fan base standpoint, from, you know, even coaches. Coaches are learning. And, you know, like I said, you don't just plug and play. You don't just put them in there and expect that they're going to have the same production uh, that they had in their other uh, university. And, um, and my system, you know, my system is uh, it's an organic system. We want you to figure it out on your own. We don't want to say, hey, Taylor Soul, this is your role. Do it. And that's the only thing you do. We want to see what she's capable of doing, and it's going to morph into to what it's become. You know, I didn't tell Taylor Soul to play the way she's playing. She figured it out mm-hmm. because we want to get the best out of them, and we don't want to pigeonhole them, and then we don't want to stifle, you know, their development. And, uh, and you know, maybe it didn't, you know, happen as quickly as we wanted it to, um, but it's happened. You know, we're 22-4, and four and, you know, everyone seems to understand what they're what – they're, uh, expected to do and uh, they're doing it very well right now so i like what we've done i like the additions that we've had to our foundation you know our foundation is always built on high school kids and uh georgia amore has been my point guard for three years elizabeth kitley's been my center for four right and kayla king's been my two my two guard for four years so they set the foundation and then we add some wonderful transfers and it's a pretty good recipe for success Kenny Brooks joining us on the program, the head women's basketball coach for Virginia Tech. They continue to climb in the rankings, but it's about the next game, as Coach mentioned, at North Carolina coming up on Thursday. Coach, during this streak, now you've mentioned you had some uh, elements to get to where you are now, but when you see this group performing like they are, are there a couple things that really stand out that you see now that you were waiting and expecting to see this late in the regular season? Yeah, just just feeling comfortable. It really was. Um, you know, you look at a kid like Kiana Trailer, um, who came from Purdue, and she was an All Big Ten performer. And uh, it took her a while last year to just get acclimated to our system, which is different than the one that she came from. Mm-hmm. And uh, in year two, you can just see how much more comfortable she is with it. Uh, Taylor Soul, same way. You know, she was a leading scorer at Boston College. Um, and then all of a sudden she comes here and, you know, she's a piece to the puzzle. And so they just didn't know really where to move, how to move. Obviously, when you have a six foot six center, All-American center inside, she's going to be a focal point. And uh, they had to start playing differently, playing off of that. And now, you know, it's a thing of beauty. You know, where they weren't, you know, really good post passers before, now they're, they're tremendous at getting the ball inside to Elizabeth. Um, they understand, you know, what their roles are and – We've always been pretty good, you know, on the defensive end, and, and we're stepping that up a, even a notch here as we go down the stretch. And uh, but just the way that they're looking for each other and finding each other, uh, it's a thing of beauty. And when I watch, when I'm at the games, obviously I'm coaching the game, so I don't see everything. But when I go back and watch film, uh, the way that they move the basketball, the way the basketball just doesn't stick in someone's hands, and they're trying to, they'll make an extra pass to get a great shot instead of selling for a good shot. And that just goes to show you that they're, they just want to sacrifice. They just want to win. And uh, it's, a, it's a lot of fun being around. And, um, you know, they're very workmanlike. They're very professional-like. And they come, and every day it's fun to be around them. Coach, you mentioned Liz. And obviously she's going to be the focal point of most uh, opponents' <laughs> scouting reports because she is that player, that All-American. And I know that they target her, right? She takes, uh, uh, she takes a lot of physical abuse down there. And I know the Duke game, I was watching that one when you were on the road, and I was thinking, my goodness gracious, she's just getting – have you been pleased or talk about how pleased you've been? Then, of course, she gets her revenge when you guys play him in the castle, how she's yeah. handled all that as expected to go out and put up double-doubles almost every game. You know, Rick, what, what she does, um, 
I, I, I just plead to Hokie Nation that they don't take it for granted watching her greatness. I, I do. Yeah, yeah. Because what she does day in and day out, you know, you can't get bored with it. Um, it it's just like, think about it. If you were doing your job right now, and your producer was two producers or and an advertiser were constantly in your other ear <laughs> right. talking to you the whole time, you wouldn't be able to concentrate and do your do your job. So she always has two and three people around her double teaming her. Uh, you'll hear you'll hear opponents say, We want to be physical with her. And that's code for we're gonna foul the, mm-hmm. the heck out of her mm-hmm. until the referees call it. And and it's extremely physical. For me, it's very frustrating. Um, because, you know, she just, I, I think she endures a lot of physicality, some of it unnecessary, uh, but she handles herself in the utmost way. Uh, I hear a lot of people, some fans will say, well, she needs to get tougher. You know, I hear some analysts say, well, she needs to get tougher. And I, I just want to ask them, well, what do you want her to do? She can't, you know, haul off and hit somebody because they hit her. It's not, it's not in the rules. She can't, you know, put her elbows to help. They've taken that away. And so the only thing she can do is just play through it, and she does it magnificently to be averaging 18 points and 11 rebounds and all the while being the focal point of everyone's defense. Two and three people around her, they play zone against us because not because we can't shoot, because they want two and three people around her at all times. And so that Duke game at Duke, uh, that was an eye-opener for me because I've never seen a game more physical than that one. Right. And, and the – the beauty of it was the very next day we watched film and she was ready for the rematch the next day, mm-hmm. you know? And so we, we did some things with her from a coaching staff standpoint. We moved her around. We weren't, we, we weren't going to let her just be a sitting duck and be a target for them. We moved her around and she's so versatile that she can score on the block or she can score 17 feet away from the basket. And so we moved her around and she had a tremendous game. She had a different look in her eye when that game started. And I knew it was going to be a special <laughs> night. And, uh, and so she, she's been locked in. She's been locked in. And no question in my mind, I think she's the best player in our league. And uh, she should. She should win the uh, the player of the year again, in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. He is Kenny Brooks joining us on the program, the women's basketball coach at Virginia Tech. And, Coach, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Tech fans and that crowd you were talking oh. about at sixty four hundred plus, the noise, the excitement. I mean, can you just talk about what that means to you on the sideline and what that does to this team? You know, I've I've been I've been talking our team up for years, and uh, you know, obviously, I'm championing for women's causes uh, for the efforts of my my women. Uh, they come out, they work hard every day, and it's a it's a really good product, Rick. Uh, you come and watch us play; it's fun. It and is. I always tell people, you come watch us play, you'll get hooked. I promise you, you'll come back. You know, I, I don't know if anybody's going to come watch us play and say, you know what, that's not for me, I won't be back. And, you know, to watch Hokie Nation, you know, the way that they have come out and supported us all year long, all year long, and it just capped it off on Sunday. To be able to send our seniors out in that fashion with the, with the place being packed, um, but not just being packed, and it wasn't just a ceremonial crowd. They were there, they were, they were loud, they were knowledgeable, and they were engaged the whole game. I've never been associated with a women's basketball game uh, where there was that many people cheering for us. Now, we've been in some other venues. You know, we've been to, like, Indiana playing for the WNIT championship, and it was 13,000, and we've been to some other places. But I've never been to a place where that many people were cheering for my team and they were that loud and engaged. And they, they were a difference. They were a difference. You know, they, they, can, they can make a good team great. 
because our kids feed off of that energy in Castle. I've said it from day one. You don't just hear people in Castle. You feel people in Castle. And and we, we got that place rocking, and Hokie Nation came out and supported. Uh, they've done it all year long, and uh, it's just been a thrill to watch our kids experience that. Well, Coach, I know you've been through a lot of senior days, and you talk about that noise. And uh, was this one uh, maybe ranked up there amongst the most uh, emotional that you've had with this uh, group? I mean, it had to be a tough moment there, but at the same time, it's a celebration. It, it was. It, it, it was both bittersweet, you know, because when each one of those kids walked out, you know, it was heartfelt. Uh, it was There was so much love, genuine love uh, for what they've done for us whether it was Taylor Soul, who's been here for a year, Kayana Trailer, who's only been here for two years, DeAja Gregg, who's been here for three years, or then I have my foundation of, of Taylor Guyman, Kayla Key, and Elizabeth Kitley, who've been here for four years. Uh, all those kids have had a big hand in changing the culture of this program. And from a women's basketball standpoint, uh, each and every one of them made it cool to be a Hokie. And, you know, it's cool, the recruits that come in, the caliber of recruits that come in because of what these kids have accomplished, what they've accomplished off the court that makes Hokie Nation extremely proud of them and the way that they're so approachable. You know, they, they can – Hokie Nation can come up to them after a game or they can approach them in Kroger and they're still going to get the same response because right. they're great kids. Right. They're great kids. But the, the, the one thing that can't get lost in this whole celebration is the families. You know, when when the kids walked out, their their mothers, their fathers, their their siblings, they got as big of a hug as the kids did because they're just as important to our program. Because without the parents' support, you know, I wouldn't be able to coach them the way that I need to coach them. You know, because they're going to be some tough days, and who are they going to call? They're going to call the parents. And when the parents are on your side and they support you and they trust you and they know that you know whatever they're going through is going to make them better people in the future because of it, um, then you're able to coach them and have the success that you need to have. So it was all around. And when all six of them walked out, it was the same feeling. It was the same feeling with each and every one of them, genuine hugs. And it's probably one of the best, if it probably is the best senior night that I've ever experienced just because of the family atmosphere that this team has created, the culture that has created, um, and, and also the success that has created. Well, Coach, before I let you go, I want to talk about one quote that Georgia had. I loved it. I know you're going to love it because you've probably heard it before. But, um, you know, I was asking her about this team and her teammates. She goes, you know, we're good. All right. We know we're good. But she said, we never go into any play, any set after a timeout, assuming we're going to have success. We know what we have to do. Can you talk about that mindset? This team, they can know how good they are, but – they're not just going to say, hey, we're going to roll the ball out there and automatically have success. I thought that was a great comment from her. Absolutely. That's a little mini-me. Uh, <laughs> Georgia, love her to death, and uh, she was joined at the hip. You know, a really quick story about her is that, you know, when she comes over to me during stoppages of play, whether it's a free throw or a timeout, her first two years, I used to do the conversating. I used to tell her what I wanted. She's, she's matured uh, into that extension of me, that quarterback for me, and now when she comes over to me, we're having full-fledged conversations, and she's telling me what she sees and what she likes. And when you get that out of your point guard, uh, you're, you're going to be able to go far. And she understands everything that I want. And, and I, I just you know, explain to them all the time that just because you're good, people aren't going to lay down for you and let you have what you want. And I said, if anything, you have to go out there and you have to work a little bit harder because you're going to get everyone's best shot. 
And, you know, we found that out with our ranking and who we were and who we are. Uh, it just seemed like every time we played people, that we were getting their best shot. And, we, you know, we had a couple of slippages in the, in the early parts of the ACC, but they learned that. They learned that they had to come out, they had to be the best versions of themselves, every possession, every play, every game, in order to get for us to get what we want to get to. And they bought into that. They understand that. They know that. And they know every time that we step on the court, it's an opportunity for someone else to get a win against a ranked team. And, uh, and, and their expectations now, they're just tremendous. And uh, Whit Babcock says it a lot. You know, you want to get your, you want to get your athletic program. And uh, for us in particular, we've gone from a challenger brand where we were chasing everyone to a championship brand where we're now we're being chased. And with that comes responsibility. And you have to go out there and you have to play hard every possession and not expect anything to be given to you. No, your program's going to stay there, by the way. You're going to be the chase going forward. I know that. By the way, Georgia's showing her sense of humor. Said that uh, you kind of showed up when you were recruiting her, and she said this is a culmination of a of an immediate love story. You immediately had love at first sight when you saw her play for the first uh, time. <laughs> I, I, I did. You know what, Rick? That, that, you could have me on for that whole story in itself. I would love it. I would love it. I, I, I traveled across the world to go see her play, and as soon as I saw her play, I was like, that's who I want. So. Uh, well, Coach, listen, man, uh, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations. I know the work's not nearly done. You have two more games here coming up uh, to finish up the regular season on the road and then of course the tournament but uh, congratulations on all your success man I know how hard you worked I know the kind of person you are and how you've done this the right way and I couldn't be more thrilled for your success and this is a great wow. group of people too that you're leading so well I, I appreciate that I love my girls they do a tremendous job and I hope I held up my end uh, with that star-studded cast that you had before me so <laughs> thanks no for question. having me on <laughs> thanks for having me on you get you do a great job I appreciate you now I appreciate you brother listen have safe travels down to Chapel Hill and uh, we'll talk again soon Thank you very much, Rick. There you go. That's Kenny Brooks, the head women's basketball coach at Virginia Tech. Uh, He's the best. His program is rolling along here. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're wrapping it up here on a Tuesday when we return. Stay with us. Don't go away. You're not off the leash yet. We're happy to have you with us and hope you'll come back often. Big Dog Sports Talk will be right back. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on WRAD. I mean, you have our guests line up today, finish up with great conversation with Kenny Brooks, and then we get the Jackson 5. I mean, come on. Your Tuesday has to be just much better now, right? Great stuff from uh, Kenny Brooks. Appreciate him. Mike Burnup, Jermaine Farrell, David Smith. Great stuff today, man. Just a lot of fun. We're just about done for the day. Hope everybody has a great rest of their day. Hump Day Wednesday tomorrow. We know we have Bill Roth, Keon Brown, maybe some other things pop up. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy the 60-plus degrees and sunshine, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Wednesday edition. Take care, everybody.
here at News Center 4. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, New River Valley.